Hello, everyone. Welcome into the latest episode of the Spy Point Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Trent Marsh, uh, joined today by Stephen Fuller from The Hunting Grounds. So uh, we'll get into it a little bit. Deer season just around the corner. Obviously, you guys are all excited about it. I know I'm excited in theory. Uh, Stephen's excited, <laughs> so uh, we'll get into it. But of course, I want to remind everybody to rate, review, subscribe wherever it is you're consuming this podcast, share it with your friends, and uh, let people know about the content that we're doing, make it easier for other people to find. With all that out of the way... Mr. Fuller, how are we today? I'm good. Busy, but good. You know, it's it, like you said, we talked just a second beforehand. It, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Yeah. Kind of got personal stuff. And then it's like, oh my gosh, deer season is pretty much upon us. So it's like, it's the time right now where you start going into panic mode, trying to make sure you're ready to go into the season to make season as best as it can be. I was just looking at some of our information and we're definitely seeing the the spike i think for you know there's oh, yeah there's a big there's a big group of people that are year-round hardcore crazy fanatic you know crazy right. people about it right but then you've got a lot of other folks that you know maybe they tournament fish or you know a million other things going on or just right. you know family stuff keeps them busy they, yeah they're not able to do it as much as they want but i think it's anecdotally but i think really you know when that calendar turns to august that ends up being the wake up call for, you know, the, yeah. the back to school sales and getting, you know, here we got school districts that are already back in or, or starting up here in the next few days, the next week. So with the kids going back to school, calendar turned to August, the wrap is kind yep. of on summer, even though we're still six weeks away from technical fall. Um, I think August at first is really kind of, it's that line in the sand for a lot of folks where, yep. Okay. Um, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe I've had my cameras out, uh, but not paying a lot of attention, or maybe I need to get my yeah. cameras out. The, the yeah. growth for the most part is over. They're going to be what they're going to be at this point, but now it's just yeah. firming up those antlers velvet coming off here in the next two, three, four weeks. And then we're kind of off to the races with season opening. So it's, yeah. uh, it's a long way away and yet it's just around the corner. So, oh yeah, it's, busy i think so. i think it's what it is for me too i think it's pure panic mode when i start seeing the buddy start posting their trail camera pictures online mm -hmm. and they're like that's a pretty good buck you know now uh -huh. they're fully developed and you're kind of like man i've got to get on my gotta get on the game a little bit and start getting my cameras out there a little bit more and start finding some bucks i, I mean it's not a big worrisome to me at this point if i'm not having the bucks that i want to hunt on camera mm -hmm. because they're fixing to go through some very big changes yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna change a lot in their habits and they're gonna change a lot on their areas that they're staying so right now i'm still not in full panic mode but i have started really putting those cameras out in some of those key properties and um but yeah more so than even like I don't know, but I think what draws the line in the sand for me is when the buddies start posting a lot of pictures. Yeah. I want some of those for myself. So right. yeah, I get it. I don't, for you, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. It, A, you know, we've, I've talked about it in past episodes. I don't worry about not having buck pictures through the summer. That doesn't bother yep. me in the least, Correct. especially knowing my problems. Me neither. But I've, for us, for, for our cameras and our properties, I'm seeing more buck pictures early this year across all properties. One, I know why, because there's some logging going on on an adjacent property that's pushing some deer our way. But just in general, I'm seeing more buck pictures than usual. And not just the number of buck pictures, but the, the deer themselves. I've got more oddballs this year 
than I normally see. Just like Hmm. jacked up on one side or just something wonky. I mean, we always Hmm. have a few of them running around, but it seems like, I mean, 30% of the deer, you know, normally, Hmm. you know, the basket racks are the basket racks and all that kind of stuff. But even the younger deer, like there's just a lot of weird antler development this year. And I have absolutely no idea why. I was just texting Hmm. with another buddy of mine yesterday and he was saying the same thing. He's like, the the deer are just all wonky this year. So I don't know. Are (laughs) you seeing the same thing? Are you starting to see bucks a little bit earlier? Are you seeing any difference in antler development or is this just I'm living in some sort of weird voodoo? (laughs) you might you might just be living in a weird spot i you know it's just weird we've had a weird year this year we had one of the worst record like droughts that i can remember you know forever so i am seeing some of the bucks that i was expecting this year to hopefully blow up i've seen them not even reach the potential that some of them were even last year i'm really that's what i'm thinking and so it's kind of sad about that but you know it i know a lot of the country has had a drought maybe that's a factor that goes in when they don't have you know, extra resources pouring Mm -hmm. into their skeletal system. They're depending on what they've got. Who knows what that does or what stresses that they're going through out there. We haven't been that bad. Like it's almost normal-ish. I I don't know. It's just, it's Mm. bizarre. Well, so you guys were super dry then. Did you get hammered? I know like St. Louis and that whole area, they were having flooding and stuff, which is a little ways from you, but did you get in any of that heavy rain and stay north and west of you? Yeah, it stayed north and west of me. We've just, like, we went over, easily over two months without a single drop of rain. It was Oof. the worst on record for us. I mean, I planted my food plots, and they they planted perfect timing, perfect rainfall at the time, and then mm-hmm. it got to where there's just no rain after, and it they died. Like, I don't have any food plots in the ground right now. We'll go on. I want to tell you exactly about, like, what's that stuff right. for my property and how my property's doing with that, but um yeah we've missed all that rain and so we did have i mean if you want to talk about trail camera pictures we had i'd say early on you know mm-hmm. had a lot of deer activity on the cameras and then the drought hit and i'm telling mm-hmm. you nobody was seeing the bucks i'll tell you something i was i was driving with mom the other day and we, people think it's a kind of a safari when you come in the hunting grounds there's deer all over the place you know just middle of the day in the trees mm-hmm. savannah you can you can watch the deer and stuff and i was like you know one thing i have not noticed this year i said we had a huge fawn crop early on and then like i felt like predators came in and wiped around or something because i was not seeing a single fawn mm-hmm. normally they're all over the road size until the rain recently and then it's just like deer galore the fawns yeah. have all showed back up i i think you know the bucks were down in the cooler areas down yeah. in the creek bottoms in the shade trying to find some of those little springs that had any kind of water and i think the does were doing that with the fawns too just keeping them down in the cool shelter and i mean we went weeks and weeks and weeks without even seeing a fawn and now we've had a rain pattern the last four or five days and it's daily we're seeing you know 10 plus fawns all over the place so resources get that tight i mean yeah like i said they need to they need to stay tight to where they know they can can be in it but they also they can't be expending any more energy or resources out of their body than they know they can replenish and if they can't find stuff then yeah yeah it's going to get get difficult everywhere so well that kind of covers how your summer's been it doesn't sound like the best on record (laughs) for sure no it's uh, been rough uh so what uh Obviously, that's a kind of the next thing I was going to ask is, you know, what were you yeah. doing different? What changes were you planning to make for this year? And it kind of seems like you're 
having to pivot on the on the fly a little bit just with yeah. the the food. I know food crops are such an important part of what you do there at the hunting ground. Yeah. So with that total failure, how are how are you kind of sitting here you know, as we're talking on August 11th? How are you looking right. to kind of pivot <laughs> from that and make a plan for hunting season then? Well, I'll tell you the biggest, I kind of had, I've kind of changed a lot of my, man, I mean, I still do a lot of the management techniques I've always done, but I've really, really focused on the native habitat on my property. Mm. And that saved me this year. Yeah. Like food plots, literally we're in the Ozark Hill country. Food plots have to be pretty much on top of ridges. We don't even have like our hills are just point to point down in the, in the bottom yeah. of the haulers. There's, there's not valleys or big draws or anything yep. like that were in my area so food plots dried up with the amount of timber stand improvement i've done um, prescribed burning it i've got what i've tried to do with my properties do a lot of tree savanna and so you've got a lot of grasses and forbs and native vegetation all coming up underneath and i will tell you it's pretty cool to see this play out because i've watched it over the last couple of months and it's just mind-blowing but i probably have more deer on my property right now than if my green or my food plots were like super mm -hmm. green and lush right now, because what's happened is everybody in the area, it's cattle country and it's woods and that's it. And so for me to have open timber where I have like tree savanna, I am pulling all the deer. And yep. I mean, I have so much tonnage and vegetation in the woods. It's pretty remarkable. So that saved me this year as far as management techniques. That's one thing I'm really focusing on a lot more. I've always uh, kind of done the food plots and stuff, but really improving the native habitat um, right now. And I'm going to continue doing that. And then coming in, hopefully I'm waiting for, I think next week we have um, a big change in temperatures. We're going to drop 10 degrees on average for the foreseeable future starting early next week, which will put us in the eighties rain patterns start coming in. So now I'm going, okay, once I start seeing those rain patterns come in and they're steady enough, then I'm thinking I've got to start planting food plots. So I, I have to redo all my food plots this year. I've already started the process of spraying them that way I can get like maybe two sprays yeah. on them, get a good kill. And then uh, going in and we're planting, a, we're doing some clovers and some of them doing some wheat and rye and rape and turnips. And um, even my borders, I usually do like uh, border patrol and it's just a, uh, it's sorghum variety mix that really allows for some buffers and stuff. And yep. even those were hit. I don't even know if I'm going to get four or five feet out of those this year. Wow. Normally they're, you know, six to 12 foot plus tall and, um, so yeah, a lot's changing, but you know, hopefully in the next, I'm going to probably start in the next week, week and a half, two weeks, I'm, I'll have all my food plots in the ground with the way the patterns are coming in. And a lot of people are asking me like, are you planting now? You know, when are you going to plant? And, you know, I don't look on a calendar. I say, you know, look on the forecast, you get yeah. those rain patterns that are consistent. It can grow, you know, plant it at that time. So, right. well, and yeah. you know, the one thing you touched on there is, is the, the, timber stand improvement and in yeah. encourage, encouraging those natives. And a lot of times it's just talked about from a diversity standpoint, do the food plots yeah. and of course mix in the natives. But one thing yeah. that I don't think gets talked about often enough is the, you know, a summer like this with terrible conditions, drought conditions and the farmed portion of it yeah. can't take that. The no, natives, 100%. the natives are native because they can take that. So you never have the impact on your native vegetation that you will on the yeah. crop style vegetation, because everything that's in your zone, everything that's a native to your area has 
has existed and continues to exist there because it can take the heat or it can take the cold or it can take, you know, yeah. whatever the case may be, you're, you're never going to be as reliant on optimal conditions when you're talking 100%. about those natives. Um, has the mass crop is one of those things that always kind of ebbs and yeah. flows. And sometimes, sometimes you still get a decent mass crop when it's depending yeah. on when you get the rains. Are you still looking like you're going to have a mass crop or did it take that out too? You know, I'm, I'm still up in the air on that. I will tell you, this has been such a bad drought. It's pretty cool. Like if you come through the Ozarks, take a look real carefully as you're driving through, you know, on the highways, you'll see a lot of brown spots in the timber. I mean, really? it, full Already. grown white oak and red oaks not only are going like they aren't dormant they have died so they, either they're on rock chef ledges or something right. where there's just not a whole lot of soil and they have completely died so i've got a lot of trees that have just flat out died and i you know i kind of got some indicator trees on my place that are always the producers you know mm -hmm. if they're going to be big time producers i checked out one of them yesterday i call her the mother of oak trees and there's not an acorn on it. She's big white oak. And then I've got one in my front yard that always produces really well. And it's pretty loaded, but it's kind of up in the air right now. They were stressed. Right. And I don't know if they're going to develop fully, drop early, right. or if they're just kind of hanging on dead. So right. we're going to have to play that by ear and then kind of see what happens there. But I will tell you, the food plots are going to be a huge game changer this year. Because I will tell you, overall, if you look at it, when we started hitting our drought, that was early on, even when that you know, vegetation was coming on in the woods. Mm -hmm. And so there's not any of that. It got hardy quick. And then what didn't, you know, green up before the canopy came on, it's, it's not there. So there's not right. a lot of tonnage in the woods if you aren't doing management. And then pretty much everything else has been just killed off. So food plots will play a big role, probably definitely earlier on in the season this year, mm -hmm. going on into late season for sure. No, I mean, it, it makes sense when, you know, yeah. every, the food plot situation that you have is the same food plot situation everybody else is going to have, which means even in areas, you know, deer that aren't necessarily circulating onto the hunting grounds, when you got a widespread right. drought like that, all of those natives region wide yeah. are going to be what bears the brunt and the earlier yeah. and early you know it's one thing if we get to august and it's dry but when it's right. dry in those late spring early summer months yeah. and they start having to turn to that native browse in june and july and then by august they've already pulled it all out like yep. you said it's it's already picked there's yep. there's nothing there so um and especially if it's been that dry i'm sure you know, the, the farmers are in just as bad a shape in terms of yields and production and crops are probably yeah. going to be out earlier than usual because it was a short season. So all those ag crops that are normally a crutch are going to be gone. I, I think you're probably right. Those, and, yeah. well, and the cereal grains, especially if you can get some, yeah, oh yeah. I was going to ask specifically, and you mentioned, if you can get some of that wheat yeah. rye in there, greens, right. up, greens up quick, huge tonnage just absolute mm. nutritional bomb all the way through the growth cycle yeah that would just yeah. hearing what you're dealing with that would have been my go-to is let's just get as much as we can in that <laughs> in that rye and wheat because they'll just they'll they'll live through that so cool yeah yeah definitely uh, going to increase the amount of tonnage for sure on the food plots this year because i know at this point, with the amount of deer we already have coming in on the property, it's only going to increase right. as we get into the fall. It always does. Normally, I see that increase later on into the hunting season, but I'm already seeing it right now, and it's only going to get worse. So, 
So, and you kind of touched on it, you know, you've, you've done a lot of timber stand improvement, which, yeah. you know, every, we, we talk about this so often and and maybe even some of the listeners are like, God, Trent, quit talking about it, sick of hearing about it. But, you know, <laughs> food plots get all of the attention, but I think yeah. it, it's, it, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what your answer to this question is going to be, but as, as you kind of look back, cause how many years now have you been developing the habitat there at the hunting grounds? Uh, I'm probably about five years in, right? So now. you're five so, years in now. Yeah. What would you say has been the the biggest has made the biggest impact on the way that the deer are using that property? Then, uh, I'd first, you know, I've always say it. People probably get tired of me saying it, but limiting factors first. I always go in, you know, whether it's food or water, you know, make sure you've got that. But I would say overall, the biggest game changer personally on my property would be going in and improving the native habitat so that it'd be Mm -hmm. doing TSI and really going in and I'm not just increasing like the value of my timber, but I'm reducing it pretty substantially to almost a tree savanna aspect where you have a lot of sunlight coming down and you've got these random oaks and stuff with a lot of grasses and forbs throughout the whole property and doing that combination at the same time, you're kind of doing like the edge feathering. So you aren't having, you know, what's my place was horse grazed area right up against timber. So you had mature, great timber down to like three inch tall, you know, grasses coming out. There was Mm -hmm. no, no transition zone in there, nothing for the turkeys and nest in the deer to browse and bed in and all that. So going in and, and improving that, that has been by far the biggest game changer. Cause like I said, for one, you're going in and that's a food plot you're making. I mean, that's mm-hmm. tons of food on the table and then it's habitat at the same time bedding. Um, it's, it's increased the amount of deer drastically that I hold on my property. Also the amount of bucks. I think a lot of times that's overlooked. Uh, when I first started doing it, I kind of started with pockets cause it was just, overwhelming to do the whole property at once so i do pockets and by doing pockets it allowed you know a a buck to kind of be over this pocket and a buck to be over this pocket where they kind of had their zones they weren't able to Mm -hmm. cross paths really easily a lot see each other a lot and then i've tried to connect the dots basically and try to do the majority of my property that way it's as far as turkeys and stuff too i didn't even have turkeys on my place when i started by going in doing this I pull in all the hens during the, like the springtime because they know that I have the nesting grounds where everybody mm-hmm. else has just mature timber cattle ran property that's grazed heavily. They just, they flock here. So biggest game changer TSI it's cheap. It's easy. You get a chainsaw, literally a tank of gas. It's, it's sweat equity. It's yeah, sweat equity. I mean, you spend two hours and it's something that's going to pay off drastically way more than going in and spending a lot of money, pushing over trees, pushing in the food plot. Then you have a drought that year, like this year, you get no tonnage out of that. Whereas Mm -hmm. native vegetation, it would have been almost instant gratification. Right. What are, so what are your favorite, and obviously it's not going to apply to to everybody, but then what are, what are those natives that you're really trying to propagate in that? And and what's kind of your top list? Again, it's going to vary in different regions, but if if you can tell people, here's two or three native plants that you really either need to go out and bring onto your property intentionally or at least promote growing on your property, what what are your real go-tos? What are your favorites? Um, You know, so I I worked with a company. It was pure 
air natives, I got some seed from them. And I love that seed. It had a really wide variety of like switch grasses and all that. Mm-hmm. And the, I, I kind of experimented on a piece of my property, starting with that. I wanted to do a tree savanna. I'd never done it before. Didn't know how aggressive to really cut the canopy open. And then at the same time, sometimes like with on my property i don't have a lot of great some of these areas don't have a lot of great natives that just pop up and so i went in and topically applied uh, a mixture that had something that was growing up pretty much the way it was designed 365 days a year so Mm -hmm. it's got a lot of the switch grasses it's got a lot of flowering plants in it that i honestly don't even know the name of on Mm -hmm. those um but you're going to get when you're on our property you're getting a bunch of little blue stem. Um, I will tell you, like, even going in and doing like the timber management I do, um, for the most part, I am cutting stuff down and uh, just letting it regenerate from the stump. And I cut it down low enough. That way you don't want to cut it high because within a season, it's out of the browse range of the mm-hmm. deer. But I'll tell you, sassafras is huge in this area. I mean, the deer will just devour that as soon as it starts coming up. Even like a lot of the elm trees and the dogwoods and the red mm-hmm. buds. There's a lot of tonnage in that. Um, as far as um, anything else, um, you know, it's I just try to get variety. I'm not real good with all the natives that are yeah. out there. I let them do their thing. But what people don't realize, too, is that you don't have to go in and plant native seeds either. I mean, there's a dormant seed bed in there. Right. As long as you are careful when you're doing that, not to really disturb the soil on top, um, it's ready to go. Like all right. you got to do is supply the the sunlight and let it rain on it and it's going to take off. So um, yeah, I've got a lot of, in some of my areas, it's a lot of just submissive, like young growth of saplings, but the deer mm-hmm. devour them. I mean, even if you got like young um, grapevine, I mean, they devour that yep. and stuff on there. I've, I've kind of battled with Cerisa Lespedeza on my place. It was overrun with it and so um i'm seeing in some of my areas that i'm doing this i'm seeing that start to pop up so i'm gonna have to battle that because i battled it in the open areas and the field areas and by spraying and burning and stuff i pretty much eliminated it there but it's gonna be a different battle there inside the timber and hopefully it's not well it's have to see what comes and what i have to do to right. get it taken care of so it's a learning experience it always is always is and that's, that's the other thing too. And we just, you know, we had a blog about it not that long ago, the invasives being a big part of it too. And, yeah. and, you know, when you talk about opening the canopy, don't just go in and cut down the, you know, cut down the trees, go in and really, first of all, use those local resources. You know, I've, yeah. I've got, I've got our, our district biologist coming out here before too long. I've got a couple acres of cattails that it's just, it's overrun oh. and a few cattails are fine, but uh, cattails are like, they're the maple tree of the swamp. Like it's an apex <laughs> plant. Like it's, it's literally, you can't even walk through it. And it's yeah. my, just on my property, it's two acres, but it's probably closer to eight of just this contiguous sea of cattails. So having mm-hmm. him come in take a look at some of the options, but then, you know, I've been, I've got a little bit more honeysuckle and a little bit more autumn yeah. olive than I'd really like to yeah. see. Um, some multiflora as well that I've been, you know, we've only been here since November. So a lot of stuff, the leaves were already off and it was tough to see what I was dealing with and had to wait yeah. for green up and, and really start to mark things through the spring and summer. So that as we get to this fall and winter, I can go through and try to try to get some of those out of there. I've got a lot of maple trees, but I'm lucky that they're not the Norway maples. They're the, they're mm. the hard maples. So they're, yeah, I'm right. if you're going to have a maple, if you're going to have maple trees, at least have the hard maples as opposed to, yeah. the, to the Norway and, and some oak trees and some beech trees. It's, it's a pretty good mix really, but um, 
yeah, make make sure, you know, get rid of those, say, even with the big, you know, don't go in and cut down oak trees. That's just yeah. nonsense. And you, you yeah. see some guys do that. that just kind of indiscriminately, like you said, they rent a bulldozer for a weekend and take yeah. out three quarters of an acre. And it might've been the best three quarters of an acre of hardwood yeah. they had on their property in terms of native mass crop or whatever the case may be. And it's just, yeah. well, no, this is the best spot for a food plot. Yeah. You can get a food plot to grow about anywhere if you really try. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's not easy, but like you said, the the TSI that's that's time and effort and sweat equity and, and oh, yeah. that kind of side so not near as bad yeah so so with that said like I said we're early to mid August right now seasons are anywhere from five you know maybe even three weeks four or five yeah. I'm I'm more like six weeks away here in Indiana um, but if if guys saying uh, you know the summer got away from me but I still want to do something before season opens up you know what are their options to you know a it can't be a three week long project because right. you're button right up against your season but then b you know if it's not going to be any good until next year what's the point of even doing it just wait wait until later anyway so what what if anything are those the kind of quick list of things that can happen over the next really three weeks before September 1st to really help improve hunting for this year still. Yeah. You know, that's tough. That's one of those kind of deals. It's like, you know, you got to, it's going to vary gotta, so much from property oh, to property. Man. It yeah. is. It's good. Yeah. It's kind of one of those property to property things. Cause you go in and there's, it just depends. Like if someone has a pretty open property, as far as like field wise, yeah, you could probably go in and go, you know what? I want to create a little hot spot and I want to create a little food plot within a week, you know, two weeks, you could create a little nice food plot in there. Now, if you're a guy that's got timber, that's all rent on timber on his property, getting in there, cutting down trees, doing all that. You probably aren't going to see the benefit from it and anything. Mm -hmm. You might be doing more harm than good right now at this point. I mean, it depends if you go in and cut some like, you know, probably some of the trees like dogwoods and stuff like that. You are going to bring some food down to their level, but are you going to bump them out of there at this point when you're so close to season? Mm -hmm. um, and people like that that have a lot of timber that really don't have the option to go in and go, you know, what? I'm going to put in a food plot. I would say scouting would probably be the largest thing that could improve like their chances. Get out there, walk your property, find those travel corridors, find those pinch points. Put up your trail cameras, you know, see what you got to hunt. You know, if you got different properties, and like I said earlier, deer patterns are going to change a bunch right now. And I never worry about not having bucks. Usually, I'm worried about the friends that are all bragging to me, like, "Look at this bachelor group. I've got you know ten mm -hmm. bucks coming into my feed right now." I'm like, "Well, that's great. Have you ever killed a buck off your property?" Like, "No, I haven't." You know, when season comes, they're gone. Well, right. you know, I have a few bucks on my property, a few good ones, but. When they start changing patterns, they all start coming here and we'll get a bunch on there. Um, so I would say scouting would probably be the best tool if, for anybody right now at this point. And in case you're going to be too invasive in their areas is just get out there, put some boots on the ground, walk through, find some good stand spots, scout um, glass, put up trail cameras. That kind of thing is what I would probably be doing. I just did that on a recent property. I went and picked up uh, to urban piece. It's a decent chunk of urban in the middle of suburbia. It's like 45 acres. And first thing I did is like, you know, what? I don't have time to go in there. I don't have time to do a food plot. I don't have time to mm -hmm. figure out how to get these deer. In. I can't, it's in Arkansas. So I will be able to bait during season, but I can't bait right now. And so, 
even putting the trail camera up is pretty hard because you aren't going to really get anything unless you can put it over a well-used trails. But I went in, I walked every single corner of that property, basically eliminating all the spots that I don't want to hunt and finding those key spots, finding like old sign from last year, um, you know, finding the bedding areas and put that in my favor because come early season when I'm able to go in and there and bait, I know exactly where I want to do that. I don't have to go tromp around and do all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So putting a little time in right now, it's probably the best thing just scouting wise is what I would suggest to somebody. Probably, probably really good advice. The, other, the only other thing I'd add, like you said, if you got to get into your woods and really start hacking around at things, you know, we've, we've talked about on the podcast before kind of having the layers of the property, right? You've got your kind oh, of yeah. fringe areas and then you got your deep core, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything that I, I'm not just on the fringes. You know, we got, we got one property that um, the Southern edge of it is, you know, they went in and bulldozed along a railroad track and it's right up against some bedding but we can get in there and mow that and get some seed down in that right. because I consider it's, it's not a place that we hunt. It's a transition area for those deer. Right. Any, it's not a core area. It's a transition area. So, you know, kind of the same thought process process you would use just in terms of going and being on the property in general, you know, don't go into those saving these spot locations right now. The changes that yeah. you need to make need to be on the edges, on the fringes. If you are going to try to get a food plot in, if you do, want to get a jump on some, you know, right now, I don't know. Tell me what you think. I I like this time of year, specifically on those locations, those kind of edge of property locations. I like getting a jump start on that edge feathering right now, because that's also a lot of times where those quick, easy and out stands are. And early season, especially, you know, we all do this. We move stands in season. We're like, yep, this is the spot. And it's when all the leaves are (laughs) off and all the greenery's down. And then we go sit in on like October 9th and it's like, good Lord, I can't see anything in here. So (laughs) go into that spot now, climb up in that, that stand and look, and you're probably going to be able to pick out a couple shrubs or a couple small trees or somewhere where really it's mainly just like overdoing your shooting lane. Trimming, which you know that's that's kind of what we get down to like i said i i always try to be done with my major stuff in the woods by fourth of july and then i'll run through in about september 1st we'll mow paths one more time and trim shooting lanes and try to be done then Mm. for that last month of september through until season opens but when there is an edge like that where you know like you said if you're going to do some edge feathering anyway or you're working on the edge of a food plot and along some stands like that you can maybe get away with some there just because it's yep. like I said you're not getting into those core areas and, and messing with them and then it at least makes me feel like I did something I don't know that I actually did but at least make me feels like I did yeah no I would agree with you on that yeah we will be putting up tree stands here you know some of moving some tree stands clearing some street lanes I always this month I go in I'll go in real quick and just make sure my shooting lanes are cleared and I'll, mm-hmm. I will touch up on that. But like great point, like you said, if, if you want to go in and you want to even create some of those uh, I, I know some people are against it and I don't use it a whole lot. There are definitely certain circumstances where even hinge cutting is great. Mm-hmm. If you're going to hinge cut an area that's going to allow you to walk into your stand unseen, you're going to create brows at the same time you're doing that. But I mean, go in there and do some of that work. That's fine. Yeah. And if you do want to do, edge feathering great time to do it you're right uh i mean it's something that's not going to be really invasive because you are on the edges on the fringe and you'd be surprised you really don't bump out the deer i mean you might bump them out for that day or half a day or an hour or whatever but they're back in there as soon as you Mm -hmm. cut down those trees they're at night they're devouring them and then you've got especially at this point if you're 
late summer, you're cutting down those trees, doing edge feathering, those leaves are going to hold on probably majority of the winter at this point because they die on that tree while they're green and they hold strong. That's really great bedding cover and sanctuary for those does hiding from bucks and everything. It could, you know, help hold deer in that area on your property. For sure. Yeah. I agree with you on that. So, I mean, with that said, I mean, like I said, we're, we're four weeks, six weeks yeah. out. It's, it's yeah. there. So what, uh, what's on your schedule for this fall? Anything big, major planned? Not major. Um, you know, I am going to do some filming this year, which is going to be kind of fun too. I am filming a hunt up in Canada. We're doing a pronghorn. I'm just filming on that one. Uh, we start at the end of this month. We go to Tennessee for the velvet hunt. Mm -hmm. And so that's the last weekend of this month is when we get started there. Um, we'll be bumping, doing some public land hunting again in uh, Nebraska. So that's going to be a state I travel out for Tennessee, um, might be doing like South Dakota, you know, kind of mm -hmm. deal. So we are traveling a little bit, but going to be hunting Missouri and Arkansas, my home, my home yep. States here a bunch. So it's just kind of hard. I kind of focus on those two and hit the other ones when I yep. can. It's just hard when you're, you've got like, I've got four buck tags right now in two States that yep. I can drive 30 minutes to yep. on them. It's hard to go. Okay. I'm going to drive six hours yep. and hunt for three days. So right. as I, as I fill tags here or if the hunting's just not great here, I'll start filtering out and watch, who knows. Watch those forecasts. Just like yeah, that's food plus. watch those weather forecasts. It's 95 yeah. this weekend in Arkansas. It's going to be 62 yeah. in South Dakota. I know where I'm going. Yeah, I've got all those tags on the weather app. It's like uh -huh. all these different towns uh -huh. and you watch you don't even wake up in the morning and just look at one. You're looking at six different states going, uh -huh. where do I need to be at this uh -huh. weekend? So, yeah. yeah no doubt. <laughs> So for everybody that wants to follow along with that, for those that may not know, so where can people find you? Where can they find the hunting grounds? How can they stay up to date with all the latest from you for this fall? Well, right now it's uh, Instagram's huge for us at THGTV. Um, YouTube, we'll be cranking a lot of content this fall. So just the hunting grounds and then Facebook at the hunting grounds and uh, we'll be out there pro producing a ton of content this year. So I've got a uh, Brayton, um, our cameraman staff or whatever, he's coming in at the end of this month. So get ready for a lot of content. Beautiful. Can't wait to see it. Steven, appreciate yeah. you hopping on. Thanks for all yeah. the information. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Good luck this fall. And I'm sure we'll talk soon. Awesome. Appreciate it.